I think something like, you know, a, a, a TikTok, probably just showing my age here, but, you know, I, that has become, you know, one of our most effective conversion sort of channels or platforms. And I think it's because our, you know, our, our content game is, is relatively strong and we're really thoughtful about when we kind of layer in sort of a, a sales message. So we're, you know, every, you know, bit of, you know, paid advertising or media um, is connected to our database. So kind of one, one kind of view of, of everything and its kind of performance and, and engagement and all of that. But we're, you know, pretty pretty focused on if, if we don't have, if we're not testing something at any one given you know, point in time, you know, we're, I, I'd say we probably aren't doing our, our, our job as, as well as we need to. So we're, we're pretty, pretty relentless about that. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains, rewriting the rule book from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, my guest today is Pete Jung, CMO of NASCAR. Pete began his career on the agency side of the industry in media planning and buying before moving into media, working at publications like Time and Fortune. Following that, he spent a decade at MasterCard as VP of Global Consumer Marketing is now approaching a decade at NASCAR where he has led the brand and the business as the CMO over the last couple of years. Almost all of you will have heard of NASCAR, but you are going to be very interested to hear how they have been intentionally evolving the brand and the business over the time that Pete has been there. And obviously he has played a big part in that. The thing that's most fascinating to me is how they have really driven and put a stake in the ground, to be honest, around making NASCAR a more inclusive sport. And for any brand that's at the scale of NASCAR, it's a hard thing to shift perception, to shift audience, to shift the culture around your brand. And it really seems like from what we hear from Pete, um, that they are really starting to do that. So there's a lot of exciting things, both with what they've done over the last few years, how they've approached certain conversations, certain cultural shifts within the US and decisions that they've made around that, but also some things that are on the roadmap, including, and depending on when this is released, it might already be out, but an original Netflix series called Full Speed. So there's so much good stuff in here from Pete. I know you're going to really enjoy this episode like I did. I will let you get to it. Please enjoy my conversation with Pete Jung of NASCAR. Pete, thanks so much for making the time to come on the show. It's great to see you. How are things in Charlotte? Uh, things are, are great. It's a, it's a little gray and, and chilly, but no snow. It's just a, a typical kind of January day here. But gearing up for the, uh, for the 2024 season down in, in the convention center, which our building is attached to, is the annual driver kind of production and content days. So we've got all the drivers coming through various sort of content captures. And then at the end of the week, we've, we, we induct three more people into the, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So we're, we're already off and running in 24. Awesome. I have to say, and you know, full disclosure, we've done a little bit of work um, with your partnerships team, which has been amazing. I mean, first of all, just the people have been amazing, um, but also just getting to know the sport and the business and the world of NASCAR over the last few months has been really interesting for me. And as you can see, you know, I'm a fanboy over here now with the 75th edition car that I got when I was in Charlotte in November. So yeah, I mean, you know, I look forward to all conversations and the guests that we have on the show, but this one I'm particularly excited about, especially with everything 
that's going on in, in the world of NASCAR in 2024. So let's get into it. Uh, a couple icebreakers for you. So the first one that we ask every guest, what is one challenger brand that you're super passionate about right now and why? So I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed kind of brand geek. I, I think and read probably way too much about just brands and their, you know, connection with, with people or, or, you know, whatever the, um, you know, audience or their customer is. Um, one that I, I really find interesting is, is probably a, a bit kind of niche, actually not so much niche is niche is, is Stanley. So Stanley was, has been around since 1913. And they made the the kind of vacuum stainless steel insulation kind of thermal mug, like obviously decades before, you know, many of the of the leaders in that space, you know, the, the Yeti and Arctic who are, you know, within probably 15 years old. So you've got this uh, kind of, you know, that th this rooted historic kind of brand that's over 100 years old. And, you know, they've got these kind of modern sort of, I would say, disruptors that are coming out with products and loads of marketing, you know, investment. And I think Stanley, I, I don't know this for sure, but from what I've, I've said and read that they were kind of like, you know, hey, that, this is kind of our, our turf. And I think the way that they have really kind of gained market share and awareness through, you know, scarcity of, of the product and through product innovation, they've gone, you know, viral in, in a lot of their, their content platforms like TikTok, you, you know, it's, it, it's become like a, an accessory from every, everyone from celebrities to people that are in, you know, personal fitness to nurses, to teachers. And I just think that that's a, a good example of a brand that they're, you know, being around for over a hundred years, I think is, has paid off. And I think a different way that they're kind of going to market has served them well. And I would imagine they're 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 gaining gaining a, a good bit of, of market share with us, some of the other brands in this space. So I was smiling because Stanley is actually a brand that we've been talking about a lot internally over here. Obviously, everything that happened, you know, whatever a couple months ago with that you know, viral campaign or whatever that they had. Um, but also, you know, our whole thing is challenger brands, but really broader than that, it's category change and category disruption, and that category. Also, as a quick side note, as a now a 10-year expat in the UK, going back to America every Christmas and every summer and just going to like the Targets and the Walmarts of the world and just seeing the word like just how insane that category has become with like 40-ounce mugs and things like that. It is really interesting seeing America through kind of like a European perspective at this point. But anyway... We've been talking a lot about that um, and obviously everything that Yeti has done to build like a pretty premium brand within that category. So we're doing, I think we might be doing kind of like a, a brand breakdown on them, but we're also with this kind of share of search tool that we built called Curo because um, there's a pretty strong correlation between uh, share of search, increase in share of search it, within a category to then gaining market share. And so what we're looking at is the kind of spike for Stanley in the last few months how sustained that's going to be versus kind of like a flash in a pan and then it kind of reverts to the norm. Um, so great answer, very topical for us. Fascinating category with everything that's going on right now. Very much. I would imagine for every one water bottle that, that you know, 
a European as the, the American probably has four or five of those. So um, you did, you know, when we had our prep, well, I guess it was a prep meeting uh, when I was over there, you know, I always ask, what's the thing that you're super passionate about just to kind of get a sense of the perspective and approach that you take to things. And you did mention that, um, as you just said, about the connection between people and brands. I think it's also on your LinkedIn. What does that, what does that mean to you? I mean, maybe there's the obvious answer, but I'd love for you to just unpack that a little bit and maybe how it's kind of guided your career to date. I think everyone's sort of interpretation or definition of a brand, you know, probably varies a, a bit. You know, I think one of the most common words to, you know, explain a brand is, is your story. Um, and I really think of like the story of, of a brand and a relationship between a, a constituent, uh, con- constituency, you know, a business, a group of people, a group of customers. And I think when I was at my, my pr- previous company or brand that, that I worked for, MasterCard, I got to a point in my career where I just, I really, you know, through research and through, you know, d- different activations and partnerships, I just saw, uh, you know, I, like the, 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 possibility of, of, you know, people's connection with, with, with a brand and how powerful that could be, you know, and, and obviously you want that powerful in a, in a positive way that it translates to, you know, sales or a relationship, but it's powerful also, you know, that it could be, it could work the other way. Right. And I think that brands and uh, are, are so kind of vulnerable now because consumers have so much power, you know, with, with their voice. Um, but I really, I got to a point where I, I really wanted to represent a brand that was established, but a brand that had so much opportunity that I felt to evolve, um, but still stay true to, you know, to, to, to what it is and their purpose and why kind of they exist. And, you know, admittedly, I was not a, a huge NASCAR fan. I love sports. I, lo- I love cars. So I figured it, it couldn't have been that, that far-fetched. I went to my first race the spring of, of 2020, uh, 2014, um, and, and I was hooked. But I, I really feel like, you know, as a, as a brand marketer and someone that, that's passionate about the relationship, I, I've hit kind of the jackpot because I really, you know, I really believe that NASCAR as a brand and, and the fans, there's such a powerful relationship that, you know, that, that is rooted in kind of, you know, community and connectivity and, and inclusiveness. And that's just made me even more passionate about that, that sort of notion of, of, of brands and people in the, in the relationship. So I think that's a perfect segue to, uh, I promised myself I wouldn't do any puns. This one wasn't intentional, I promise, but let's shift gears and talk about, sorry, I'm sure you hear that all the time. Uh, I just fell right into it. Anyway, let's talk about the NASCAR brand and business. Uh, so I think, first of all, a lot of people, even people who are relatively informed, you know, like myself, sports fans, Americans, I guess kind of into cars, maybe not so much more than the next guy. But anyway, um, probably don't really know the scale and the uh, just kind of state of where the NASCAR business is right now. And I think picking up on some of those things that you said at the end, and I know this was the other question, but I'm kind of molding them together. Just the kind of transition and evolution that the brand has been on, if we look at the last 10 years or so that you've been there, 
because I think, you know, what you said of, you know, diversity, evolution, like those are probably words that most typical people, casual sports fans who maybe aren't that close to the NASCAR story wouldn't necessarily associate uh, with the brand of NASCAR. So where are things today and what has the journey of the last 10 years looked like? Yeah, when, when I, when I joined NASCAR in 2014, you know, NASCAR was coming off of its, its peak of popularity in, in the early 2000s. And truthfully, a lot of our, you know, business, you know, performance indicators were, were softening. Um, and, you know, candidly, my, my first couple of years here and my, my first job was to re really primarily focus on um, cultivating new fan relationships, those that better represented the global population, but even the U.S. population younger, more diversity, um, just representative of, of, of the U.S. And some areas where we're, candidly, we, we under-indexed. When I kind of started kind of working on, on this kind of opportunity or, or this challenge, it, it was really obvious that it wasn't necessarily a, a, you know, a, a marketing issue per se. It was really more of a relevance issue. Um, and there were some bigger, bigger fundamental things that needed to sort of happen in order for us to open the door for new people to kind of consider NASCAR and even want to learn more about what it's all about. Um, and I'd say really probably in 2019, 2020, those were, I think, kind of the, the start of what I would say were really have been the most transformational years of the sport or the company um, in our 76 year existence. Going back to 2020, I think how we as an industry kind of navigated the pandemic, um, being the first, you know, major sport, you know, back to competition. Obviously, our our athletes are, you know, in fire suits and helmets and in cars. So we we had some things working for us. But the way that we kind of navigated that, the way that we kind of leaned into things like iRacing, where you know. We're basically continuing our season, but doing it electronically with our with our drivers and going to the tracks we would have been at, been at, um, but but all but doing it all virtually. Um, uh, and then another kind of big moment in 2020 was was just the the, the tensions in the U.S. here around sort of social justice, and um, you know George Floyd was was a big moment, and around that time we we made a. a you know, a stance to no longer uh, allow the Confederate flag at, at our events. Um, and, um, and I think really just propped up sort of our, our commitment and investment in, in uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and that was a big moment too. It, it opened up, you know, a lot of people to be like, huh, all right, I, I, I may want to learn more. I, I, there's, there's, there's more to this. Um, and then from there, there's just been a lot of, of kind of innovation, and I think thoughtful sort of change, definitely not steering from, from what we are. Our, our purpose is to excite people, to bring them together, and to entertain people through, through racing, which is, I think, the, the, you know, one of the purest forms of, of competition. But in the last couple of years, we've had major changes to um, our schedule, the markets, the type of tracks, um, the event experience. We introduced an all-new car um, in 2022 that has made the, the racing even better, kind of more more uh, parity and opportunity for you know 
all the cars and drivers in the field to have an opportunity to win, you know, close, close racing, which is what people love about NASCAR racing. And the, the, also that the data and information that comes off of the car is in a whole other, you know, um, kind of, uh, world as well. So there's as, as much kind of value in the information you can get off of this is, you know, a companion kind of experience to seeing it live or, or watching a broadcast. Um, even things like the, the format of our, of our racing, introducing stage racing. So it's no surprise that, that younger people tend to have, uh, you know, a, a, sh a shorter attention span and looking at our, our format where we have these kind of key moments where, you know, people may tuned in or dial in, uh, dial up their, their sort of engagement. So a, a lot of things that are, you know, fairly transformational, I, I'd say that, you know, we're, we're still in that. I think you're going to see um, even more change when it comes to our, our schedule and, and more kind of, you know, bold, bold changes in 2025 and, and beyond. You're going to see kind of more evolution and variety in in, in our, um, our our experience, but I think most importantly, just um, people getting seeing NASCAR as as really an inclusive kind of community in sport. And then the, I think that the things that we really need to tackle is people gaining a better understanding of, of of what this kind of crazy sport is all about. It's there's a lot more to it than than you know making left hand turns, and I think that's probably something that we collectively as an industry, we as a company, we as a marketing team haven't done a, a great job until until now and going forward. So it's fascinating, and even going back to what you said of when you um, left Mastercard and kind of looking for an opportunity because you know can't you know there's i don't know what the ranking is you probably do but nascar as a brand in the u.s has tremendous scale and awareness you know like everybody knows nascar and there's so much opportunity but at the same time a big challenge of taking what people already know which is great on the one hand you know one of the benefits of being a big incumbent in the space in the sector but then you kind of have to, you know, you're not building from scratch in terms of people's association with the brand. You have to kind of turn the oil tanker, as it were, which is which is really hard um, in terms of changing people's perception when something is at that size. Um, and the other thing that's interesting, you know, we've had a few guests on the show from, you know, broader sports um, and a lot of what I call challenger brands within sports, Formula E pickleball world chase tag you know some really interesting things and i think sports is really interesting because we think of it as pretty static you know in america you've got football and you've got nascar and you got baseball and basketball and all that um and those are just at massive scale you know they are pretty entrenched incumbents and so it doesn't look like it's changing but beneath the surface every year attention is shifting to new and different places and so you see some of the headlines about baseball putting in all these rules to make the game shorter i think the nfl has done a lot around uh, diversity and inclusion and trying to re reach more of a female audience in particular and i think it's just um i'd just be curious to kind of get your thoughts on if we zoom out for a second and just think of the changing nature of the sports category over the next 10 years do you think about that dynamic of like challenger brands that maybe aren't the next nascar or whatever but competing for people's time or downtime or their association with a brand or an athlete, like, does that factor into um, any of how you think about it? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, e even if you look at more niche or emerging 
you know, emerging sports. Yeah, you know, I listened to the gentleman uh, from World Chase Tag, and that's fascinating. That's also another very pure sense of kind of competition. But you mentioned pickleball, and even outside of sports, I mean, if you go back just a couple decades ago, if if you thought of how people spent their time or had the opportunity to spend their time you know on a on a tuesday afternoon let alone a you know a saturday or a sunday it it's tough you're competing with you know tiktok and youtube and pickleball and it's just it's it's you know it's so so much more competition and and just just people vying for people's attention so i think you know we've become pretty obsessed with with just the the um, customer or fan experience, um, certainly the, the the best experience is being there live, and I think that is something that I would say we got to get you to a race to Eric this year. But I would say it it really is is unique from other sports and entertainment. So I think just the level of community when you see groups like the campers and the tailgaters, it's like a, it's like a multi-day kind of event for, for many of our fans. Um, and it just, it's, it's unique. And I think that's the thing is you, you, you know, staying true to who we are and, and our purpose and what we're kind of all about. Um, but, but also like really making sure that you, that you're, you know, you're, 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 proposition to fans is different enough that they're like, you know what, instead of, you know, going down a black hole with, with TikTok, which I could do, you know, I'm going to spend a couple hours with NASCAR on Sunday. You better have a, a pretty dang good kind of uh, proposition. So we think about it all the time. I think we're, you know, humble about, you know, just where and how kind of, kind of competition emerges. I, I think it's well beyond um, sports, but certainly look at, you know, both major sports, but, but also emerging sports too. And I think that just, you know, keeps us, you know, it's, it's got to keep us on our game to like always, you know, be relentless about, you know, what, what, what can we introduce or what can we evolve or what can we enhance or whatever to make sure that, that, you know, that proposition is, is as strong as it needs to be for, for people to spend a couple hours with you each and every week. I really do think that's important for any category. I mean, maybe it's a little bit more obvious talking about your business and sports of like, it's not just other sports, it's attention. But I think, you know, having that more broad perspective of where your quote unquote competition is, because it might just not, it might not be for the dollars. It might be for people's time um, as well. So let's talk a little bit about kind of your role as CMO over the last nine years. One of the things I loved about what you said when we met is you're like, hey, I don't only want to talk about the good things. I want to talk about some of the learnings as well, but let's do both. Let's keep it balanced. Um, so your approach and kind of priorities over the last nine years in this CMO role, what are some of the biggest things that stand out in terms of what's gone well for you in your approach and what maybe you've learned from and could have gone better, you're doing differently going forward? Yeah, I mean, so much has, has changed um, in 10 years with with this role in particular. Um, and I've been in, in the CMO role for maybe two two years or so. But it is so different, um, Eric, from, from my early days, like the marketing team or brand team was a fairly small, you know, group and they put out some really nice television and radio ads, you know, worked with some, you know, more of kind of a, you know, traditional sort of agency, um, relationship and logos and, you know, it was, it was, it was very kind of specific and marketing today is 
research and insights and data. It's um, our industry relations. It's entertainment. It's influencer. Um, it's media, brand, performance marketing. One of one of the the biggest changes is is NASCAR um, in 2019 came together with uh, ISC, which owns a lot of the the, the major uh, track properties that where we race um, in the U.S. Daytona International Speedway being being um, one of them. Uh, and so now, you know, we're accountable or, or, you know, commerce is, 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 you know, a, a huge priority for us selling tickets. Um, and so that has totally sort of transformed the way that we're structured our capabilities. We call it sort of, you know, uh, our customer fan sort of journey. Um, everything that we do is much more, you know, purposeful and thoughtful, every engagement, the channel, the message. If you go back a few years ago, like, you know, we just what we call kind of spray and pray and send an email to everyone or whatever. And, and so that that is that that that's fundamentally uh, different as, as well. So I think the you know, and then you on top of that, if you look at just the, the last 10 years and, you know, the technology and platforms, digital and social that that we have kind of at our disposal to have a presence, to market, to engage existing customers, prospective uh, customers is, is it, it's huge. So it keeps us definitely on our, on our toes. I think one of the things that I think hasn't gone as well, and, and I'm still a little kind of baffled by it is, you know, like many sports industries, we're there are a lot of stakeholder groups. You've got the drivers and you've got the race teams and you've got the tracks and you've got the sponsors. And I think that rightfully so, what I've learned is that and experienced is I think each of these stakeholder groups is tends to be so kind of specific about their need and their business and and you know what what they need to be kind of stronger or grow or, or whatever the case may be, but kind of looking at it through just sort of their lens. And I'm you know trying to look at it through more of a macro lens. If we have you know if we attract more people and and uh, you know our fan base goes from this to this, um, th- and and our engagement does it the same, you know every, everyone has the ability to sort of grow and. That's where maybe I'm an ineffective, you know, salesperson, but I just feel like we haven't been necessarily kind of rowing the same direction um, until I think this year. I think we're finally to a place where people are like, okay, you know, I, I see it. If if we all work on, you know, get, getting more fans a lot through our athletes who are drivers, um, it, it's gonna it's gonna help us all with our kind of individual or, or specific kind of you know business priorities or challenges. So there's a few things that I wanted to more specifically ask you about in terms of execution and how you've approached it. So one is around how you're approaching new and emerging channels. Second is about younger audience. And the third is about, and you already touched on it, um, how you've evolved kind of the agency in-house or broader partnership dynamic. Um, So maybe we can kind of work through those uh, because I think those are all things that people listening can relate to and are trying to figure out in their own way. So first, when it comes to new and emerging channels, what's been your approach to that? I think we, you know, always testing. And I think now that, you know, that that there's so much, you know, you you can learn so much just, you know, with with data and, you know, a lot of our marketing is, is, you know, performance-based. So, you know, it's just, I probably wouldn't even call it emerging anymore, but, you know, I think platforms like, like Meta, 
there's just, uh, you know, so many new products, so many new opportunities that literally every year, you know, every couple months, it seems like we're testing a new, you know, product or, or service. Um, I think something like, you know, a, a, a TikTok, you know, I, and I'm, I'm probably just showing my age here, but, you know, I, that has become, you know, one of our, our most, you know, I'd say most effective conversion sort of channels or platforms. And I think it's because our, you know, our, our content game is, is relatively strong and we're really thoughtful about when we kind of layer in sort of a, a sales message. So we're, you know, every, you know, bit of, you know, paid advertising or media um, is connected to our database. So kind of one, one kind of view of, of everything and its kind of performance and, and engagement and all of that. But we're, you know, pretty, pretty focused on if, if we don't have, if we're not testing something at any one given, you know, point in time, you know, we're, I'd say we probably aren't doing our, our, our job as, as well as we need to. So we're, we're pretty, pretty relentless about that. And what about an audience, uh, kind of expanding the audience, as you talked about before, specifically with trying to reach and influence a younger audience? I would imagine that overlaps a little bit with the channel strategy, but how do you think about that more broadly? Absolutely. I think, you know, when, when you, when you look at, at, you know, diverse consumer segments, the, the African-American, the U.S. Hispanic market, I think you go, you go back to my early days here and, you know, many, many um, conversations, many focus groups and nine out of 10, if you're, you know, talking to, you know, a, a consumer in, in, in that was represented in, in one of these segments, they would just be like, I, I don't see myself in NASCAR. I just don't, you know, I just don't see it. I don't see diversity. You know, fast forward, you know, to 2024, you know, whether it's our drivers or the pit crews or the owners or the sponsors or the talent on TV, the, 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 the you know, the representation of diversity is, is, is on, is on a, a different level. I think that, and still so much, you know, work and, and opportunity um, to, to make it even even more diverse. Um, but I think that the, you know, it, it's really important that we have partners that help kind of extend the story in a very genuine way. So partnerships like Blavity and Me Too. That you know, this is not, this is not you know, just an ad buy. This is, you know, this is content. This is talent. This is, you know, taking the, the entire sort of season and our events and our athletes and really engaging with their massive audiences. And that's, it's just a very different sort of, you know, approach, less kind of, you know, typical, you know, advertising and more original content, different, different experience platforms that, that are, are kind of, tailored or inspired by by these diverse consumer segments and then partnerships it, it's uh which i think in you you got to look at like the long game right this is not something that we're, we're genuine about forging these relationships this is not like we want this to happen in 2024 this is you know going to happen over over years and you know finally you know at in you know starting in, in 2020 21 you see the composition of of you know multicultural fans really starting to to uptick, which is great to see, both in terms of just you know claiming to be fans, but um, buying tickets, watching races, downloading the app, following us on social media. Um, so we're 
making some some you know some some really good progress, but you know still so so much opportunity um, ahead of us. And so, when it comes to the in-house and external structure, it sounds like that's evolved in the time that you've been there. So, be curious to understand how you've approached that. Have you intentionally shifted to bring more of the marketing and the creative or other functions in-house, and then? Certainly one of the things that I'm picking up from what you just said, or at least to take away from me, is to think more broadly about content production and where it can come from. It doesn't need, just because it's a creative agency, doesn't mean that they need to do all your content. A lot of these partnerships that you're doing, whether it's with media outlets, influencers, I know, um, you know you're doing a lot in the kind of the creator space as well. A lot of it, when it comes to kind of feeding the media and marketing machine, there's a lot more opportunity if you think more broadly about it. Yeah, I so so you know early on in my days at NASCAR, you know, we we worked with uh, you know, uh one of the largest agencies and you know part of a holding company. The last probably the last 5 years or so, we work with a, you know, primarily um our external creative and advertising is very small independent kind of, you know, boutique shop all ex agency uh, folks, yeah, creative and and uh, account, but all have a lot of experience in in uh, in sports. Um, and I think even more so, you know, just the pace at which you know we're trying to tell our story and capitalizing on opportunities. If you know if something happens in the, in the Daytona 500 that we need to jump on, it's just it's not the most efficient or the most effective for us to like you know, necessarily go brief, you know, an agency and have them come back in a few days or a few weeks with sort of a concept. It needs to be more like real time and iterative. So one of the things I'm really excited about is a few months ago, we launched our new productions headquarters, which is just a few miles up the road here. And it is total state of the art production, you know, content studios, you know, cameras, everything. And I think we will be doing more working with an entity called NASCAR Studios that's um, led by by my colleague, the chief digital and, and content officer, um, to you know to tell kind of our brand story and have this you know brand and event kind of um, uh, creative uh, done more more in house. I just think it's kind of a, a necessity and and being really you know quick to market. Um, I also think that there's just you know there's something where you know. That, that, it, ha- having people that really understand kind of you know the brand essence and the soul and of, of of everything and not only NASCAR but what is it about you know the Daytona Internet or that the Daytona 500 that is you know that is raw that you can't you can't really explain unless you've been there and I think that that helps when you have people that have experienced it or you know are are part of the the immediate kind of internal teams. So you've already touched on a couple of the exciting things that are coming up for NASCAR in 2024, but I know there's more. So if we talk about kind of the road ahead, uh, I know you have an exciting um, Netflix show coming out that I am definitely looking forward to watching. So um, let's talk about Full Speed. Let's talk about the new media rights deal, which y'all announced recently. What are you super excited about when we think about 2024 and beyond for NASCAR? I, I truly am. I know this sounds cliche, but I I would not have said this last year. I if if I would say I'm excited for the 75th year of of seventy uh, fifth anniversary of NASCAR, but 
I am more excited this year and bullish about the season ahead and years ahead than than a- any of the the nine previous years that I've that I've been here. The the Netflix show uh, Full Speed um, breaks on on January thirtieth, uh, so uh, get ready to do some some serious binge watching. I don't, you know, if we had a, a dollar for everyone that asked, uh, you know, us like, hey, you know, that that Formula One show, Drive to Survive, NASCAR should do something like that. And and listen, it 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 worked, you know, it worked huge for for Formula One. And I think we have a lot of respect and admiration for for Formula One and, and all of our motorsports kind of brethren. Um, I think that, that our approach um, to the Netflix show and our approach to, to everything was not just like, okay, let's go, let's go do our show or whatever, but to really think through, well, you know, who would we partner with? Who would our production partner be? And are they the right one? And what's the right point in time? And we've got these distractions, so maybe we should hold off and, you know, and start shooting at this point in time. So. So it it there's a lot of anticipation. I think people are like, you know, oh, I, we we should have been doing this years ago, but but I think actually the time is 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 perfect. So um, I don't want to give anything away. I think you know I'm sure I'm biased, but um, I think the the people that have seen snippets and and some of the you know trailers and a sneak peek at at uh, the the first season, I think people are blown away. And what I'm most excited about is it really gets to this kind of notion of people getting a better understanding of what it's all about, right? These are, you know, and again, it's, it's so hard to explain and, you know, in a, in a, in a, certainly in a, uh, you know, a 30 second TV spot or even, you know, a broadcast on NBC, you know, just what's going through that, the, the mental and physical preparation. I mean, these, these, these drivers are like gladiators. They're like ordinary people, but they're doing extraordinary things. And I think sometimes like we're so like humble as a sport and a culture, we're just like, oh yeah, they're going really fast and they're making these crazy wrecks. And he just flipped, you know, eight times and got out of his car, walked out of his car, whatever. But it's, it's unlike anything else, honestly. Um, and so what I, what I think that the, the show does is really start to kind of put into perspective, who are these people? What's their persona? You know, what, what is Danny Hamlin like when he's, you know, on his dock up on Lake Norman and, you know, what's going through his head as he's preparing for the upcoming weekend and competing in the playoffs and all of that. So I think it's going to be a, a huge kind of asset for us to engage with, you know, an entirely new audience. Um, and I think people just get a better understanding and appreciation, and hopefully that will translate to people being like, "Huh, you know, NASCAR is coming around this spring. I, I may go check it out for for the first time." And then, and then the onus really is on us to make sure that we're kind of nurturing that relationship. And you know, how, how do you identify with the driver, and how do you, you know, how do you become more of a, you know, of an active fan? And do you, you know, do, or is is betting something you'd be interested in? Do you want to play fantasy live and 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 all that? All kind of the companion experiences. Um, you, you hit on kind of the the new media rights. We made that announcement um, back in in um, in early December. Another huge, huge milestone and great moment. I think it's just wild considering the ever changing and very fast change of pace of, of the media landscape. Um, and you know, what was encouraging is that the number of people that were just interested in, in NASCAR media rights, very different place than it was our, our last media rights deal, which was 
10 or so years ago. But the fact that, you know, we've keep, keep, we will continue to work with our existing partners at, at Fox and NBC, who are tremendous partners. But then you've got Warner Brothers Discovery, you've got Amazon, you've got CW that are all, all new to the party. Um, and if you just think at you know of their you know ex- expertise and their assets and their you know connections and, and all that, I think 2025 is just going to be another really big year in terms of how we're broadcasting our our races. Um, I think a lot of things are are going to be fundamentally different. You, the CW actually has the entire season of, of the uh, NASCAR Xfinity series. And we're going to work with them on the on the, the live production of that. So we're going to have you know influence on the talent and the format and the graphics and and all that, which I, I think is just going to be a, a game changer. So those are that, that's a, a a huge huge moment. I think happy for our leadership to kind of have that you know behind us, so we can really focus on on uh, growing the sport and and all the fun stuff. By the way, as a side note, I don't know if you listen to the New York Times daily podcast, but they just had an episode about Sunday night football and just kind of how incredible it is, just how it dominates the TV landscape in America and has for so long. I think some people know that, but what they talk about, and I think it's part of like a much longer piece that's coming out, is just how much money and time and craft goes into producing that broadcast. So I've always been fascinated by football as a fan, but also just the business of football. And I, I think you'd probably be interested if you haven't already and just kind of digging into how they've done that NFL overall, but particularly the Sunday night one. Um, I just want to go back real quick to kind of what you were saying about the Netflix series <clears throat> and what you think it's going to do for the brand and business, because I actually connected that to what you said at the beginning about what you're passionate about in your drive for your career of connecting people to brands. And you know, that show, especially if we take kind of Drive to Survive as an example, or really anything that kind of tells a human story around a brand or a business or the individuals that make up a sport, it just gives people more to connect to. Um, and I think that that's an interesting, t- you know, I was sitting here saying, All right, I think that's an interesting thing to draw out for our people listening. How can you broaden the base on which you present a platform for your brand to connect with people, which is probably going to be more through a human and an emotional connection rather than anything else. But I was also thinking that's an interesting challenge for us at Rival, you know, a little bit different B2B services than, of course, what you're doing. Uh, But I really like that. And that's certainly going to be one of my takeaways. I know that we are really up on time. um, So we got four minutes left. I'd love to go through a quick lightning round to finish things up if you are up for it. So kind of quick one sentence or two sentence answers to these. Can you tell us about the first marketing job that you ever had? Uh, assistant media planner at an agency in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Carmichael Lynch, worked on Harley Davidson and American Standard. So motorcycles and, and toilets. Love it. Uh, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Um, this was from a, a, a mentor of at uh, the the late Pat Fallon, um, but he um, just was very, and and I, I d- didn't even work super close with him, but he was so influential in in my kind of career early on, and it was really about how you go about things is oftentimes more important than what it is that you do, and just the importance of relationships and kind of the human touch, um, and. Uh, yeah. 
love that. What's the best brand campaign you've seen recently? Well, I'm going to say one of our our sponsors, Ally Bank. I love their their uh, campaign. Everyone needs an, an ally. I'm just a big fan of their brand. It probably goes. I have a soft spot for um, financial services, but I think being a, a brand that's I would say is disruptive. They stand out. They're all about being an ally to to their customers. I think everything from their you know visual identity to their you know experience. Um, they they've just got a, a lot of like you know, soul. And I think they're, they're doing it. They're killing it. What is one marketing tool you can't live without? Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a marketing tool. It feels like more like a sales tool, but Tableau, I'm fairly um, obsessed with it. So all of our like ticket sales and, and, and database is kind of connected through Tableau. And I'm fairly obsessed with being on that every day and looking kind of, of, of you know, trends and, you know, campaigns dropping and how that correlates to sales and stuff. So I'm, I'm going to go with Tableau. What's one thing people should do differently after listening to this episode? I'd say, first of all, watch, watch full speed. And, and I just say, give NASCAR a chance. I think that, you, you know, a lot of miss probably uh, perceptions of, of, of uh, the sport and what it's all about, but give it, give it a chance. There's a lot more interesting t- stuff to it than, than cars going, going left. We've got um, a bonus question for this lightning round as well. What's your favorite moment from full speed to the extent you can share without giving things away? Man, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I, I don't want to give anything away. I think my favorite like moments probably are, moments with the drivers that are away from the track that I think make them just look like, like human, but also like kind of badass. And I think that that's what, that's what we need is to kind of humanize these, these drivers, but also bring, bring the kind of star power out of them. Well, I am very much looking forward to watching it. And yes, Ralph and the team have already promised to get me to a race at some point. And now that you've also said, I'm going to hold y'all to it. So we will figure that out. And I'm looking forward to it. Pete, thank you so much for your time. Been a really interesting episode. Uh, Great to see you. Thanks so much, Eric. It was a pleasure. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.